Emerald Podcast Series. Research that makes a difference. Hello, I'm Rebecca Tor, and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Series. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Michelle Titherley, Senior Lecturer and Chartered Psychologist at the University of Chester, about her new book, Positive Education at All Levels. Positive education is a growing field that emphasises the importance of well-being and happiness in education. It is based on the idea that students who are happy and fulfilled are more likely to succeed academically and socially. Positive education aims to help students develop the skills and knowledge they need to lead happy and fulfilling lives. It focuses on building positive relationships, developing resilience and promoting well-being. In this episode, we'll be discussing the application of positive education across education levels, from preschool to further education. We'll explore some of the most effective positive education practices that Dr. Titherley discusses in her book, as well as how positive education can address mental health issues in schools. So whether you're an educator, a parent, or just interested in learning more about positive psychology in education, this episode is for you. I'm Dr. Michelle Titherley and um, my background, well, I'm kind of a late starter to academia, so I had a whole life beforehand. Um, but my area of interest now is in positive psychology and most importantly, how positive psychology can be applied to enhance the learning and well-being of students, because I'm actually working as a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Chester. So obviously, it's really nice to be able to apply that kind of knowledge and understanding that I've got of psychology to my own practice. Um, And it's a little bit ironic, really, because when I did my PhD, I actually looked at stress and memory. So I was kind of coming from that very much that deficit background um, to move into the positive psychology. When people tend to think about psychology, they tend to think about it as something that fixes something that's broken. And in many ways, that's kind of what traditional psychology was really focusing on. We call it a deficit model. So it looks at things which might not be working, might not be normal in that kind of sense of what is normal. Um, But it's really about fixing something that's broken. But with positive psychology, positive psychology actually provides much more of a strengths-based approach. So it recognises that actually, yes, bad things happen. It doesn't deny it. It recognises it. But it also recognises that we all have strengths. Even from adversity, there can be strengths and opportunities that come from that. But most importantly, when we're thinking about a kind of a deficit model, something that fixes, we're really being a bit exclusive. And what about those people who thrive? What about those people who flourish even in the face of adversity? What is it about those strengths that actually make things worth living as opposed to something that really is fixed and needs to be normalized. So when we talk about positive psychology, we're almost talking about, well, what about moving from plus two to whatever that higher number might be? Whereas when we talk about traditional psychology, we're almost talking about, well, let's move things from minus two to zero. So positive psychology really is adding the other half to everything that happens to us. 
Wow, that's fantastic. Well, really, it's a very interesting topic and it feels very positive, which is what we were all, you know, we want to have in our lives. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got interested in this area of psychology and that sort of led you to publish a book. And so your newly published book is Positive Education at All Levels. So why is positive education important for educators today? And what would you say are its main benefits? Because obviously that's the angle you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of, let's think about education. We can talk about education as being something that happens in schools, universities, colleges. I mean, actually, education happens all around us. So, you know, when I'm talking about education at all levels, yes, I'm talking about the different levels of our education system. But I'm also talking about the role that parents have. Uh, children often learn their first educators tend to be their parents, but also as well thinking about the teachers and everybody involved in that whole education process. In terms of why it's important today, I think if we just look at the issues that young people are facing and children are facing these issues at younger and younger ages. And in fact, in many ways, you are never too young to learn about mental health. And I suppose what I'm talking about when we talk about positive education is an education that actually focuses on well-being, but it also looks at it as part of the educational and learning curriculum. So it's not an add-on. Schools have been looking at positive emotions with, with all of these different things that the, the government has been introducing, but it's been very much a bolt-on or an add-on. And what positive education does is essentially the principles of positive psychology applied in school settings. So I think it was really interesting to kind of think about, okay, well, what is it? But most importantly, how can schools, colleges, higher education, parents, teachers, everybody involved in the education of the child actually start to implement that. And that's really where the idea of the book came about. And I think one of the great things when we think about positive education is that it's it's really probably building on a lot of the things that teachers, good educators, positive parents are already doing, but it's giving it almost that the scientific credibility that a lot of things need to have in place before they're going to make any changes. So I think one of the things that I really wanted with this book was to provide that almost starting point that schools, colleges, parents, all of those people that I've just mentioned can start to recognise how they can embed well-being into their practice, ultimately recognise the benefits for them what their priorities are in relation to their well-being as well, but also how they can do it in a a sort of a a practical and easy way. Because I think one of the challenges for education is that extra time, is the training, is getting the money to do all these different things. And what positive education does is actually you can do it quite effectively, well, very effectively, but very simply. Um, And it's just about recognising the good of teaching and actually ways to develop that. It's absolutely fascinating to to hear about it because in schools, I mean, I've got two children in primary school 
and they are working so hard to embed these well-being practices and you know they can re it's more like an emotional regulation so they sort of say where they are on the spectrum um, at different points through the day which I think is you know is really helpful but it is that kind of sort of an add-on thing whereas yeah. what you are describing sounds more of like a holistic sort of approach that comes from within the education as so it just it within everything that you do which which does sound you know obviously it's, it's a different way of thinking in terms of their approaches but it does sound like it's something that could be very practical so it would be great if you could maybe discuss some of the most effective positive education practices that you discussed in the book and um and how they address mental health in school i think one of the uh the the really interesting things at the moment is that if we're talking about something that's got a scientific basis, there isn't a lot of research that has been carried out looking at it. And I think one of the things that we, a lot of us want is to know that something works. So obviously the research evidence is limited, but it is starting to increase. And I think that's one of the things that, one of the messages I'd like to give to educators is that, we need to share that practice and the benefits as well. But what's becoming quite evident from the research that has been published is that there are kind of two main areas from positive psychology that when implemented in schools can be really effective. So one of the things is there is a theory called the broaden and build theory, which really recognizes the power of positive emotion. And what positive emotion can do, and we can all kind of relate to this, is that when we feel in a good place, actually it becomes very infectious. That's the word I was thinking of earlier. It becomes infectious. But one of the things that positive emotion can also do from a learning, a sort of a learning and teaching perspective, is that it almost increases the ability to become more creative in our thinking. We call it the action thought repertoire. So when we are in a positive mood, we become more creative. We're able to problem solve in a much better way. We'll be able to try out different things. So the power of positive emotion in itself can be a really effective way of introducing positive education. Simple things like recognizing something that has worked well, somebody who's helped you and writing a gratitude letter. And that's really simple, I think, if we're thinking about primary schools where children can take a letter home, write, write a letter to their parents, just thanking them for the smallest of things. And if you think about the infectious infection that that positive emotion can have is that it makes parents feel good. It opens up that kind of relationship that they have with the children. Very simple things. One of the other things that um, is very effective in schools is when we're thinking about what's called the PERMA well-being theory. And that really is the positive psychological well-being theory, which recognises that to have true well-being or true flourishing, we have to have five different elements. So positive emotion is one of them. So when we think about happiness, we think about positive emotion, but that can be short-lived on its own. So other things are the E of PERMA is engagement. So if we can provide activities where we lose ourselves in what we're doing, we go into what we call a, a state of flow. That can be really, really empowering. It can make people feel 
this great sense of achievement and, and achievement and accomplishment is also something which we need to feel according to that perma well-being. Positive relationships is really important. So other things that uh, is very easy to do is sort of almost like sort of showing compassion towards other. Showing self-compassion is really important. That can be really effective. But meaning and purpose, and I think that's one of the big things that comes from this. So if we know that something we're doing is actually benefiting somebody else, because that's the other aspect of positive psychology, it's about doing things for the greater good of others, not just for ourselves. So if you're able to bring meaning or purpose into the activities that children do, sometimes making that quite explicit why they're doing it and where that meaning's coming from, that can be really powerful. And one other final thing, which I think is a really effective strategy, is the fact that one of the things that we know from positive psychology is that we all have what we call 24 character strengths. So these are the authentic parts of who we are. And you can do simple activities like strength spotting. So you can kind of spot the strengths in other people. That's a lovely thing that children can do with each other, that parents and children can do. And it's such a lovely thing when you think about it. If we're picking out the strengths of what we're doing every day, that can be just so sort of enlightening and empowering. And it's just a simple act, watching a movie, picking the strengths out in the characters and then talking maybe about how you got those strengths or how you see them in each other. So these are all sorts of simple things, but they can be really effective. I love this idea. Um, it, it's just, I think it's so easy to, to implement, hopefully, you know, just to, it was funny in this morning, we I was we were going to school and my two children were, at, you know, they always bicker, don't they, brother and sister. And, um, and I said, you know, why can't we talk about something nice that you like about each other? And, you know, it's just as simple as that, I guess, just saying, you know, what are you, what is that person good at? What, you know, what sort of strengths do they have? And, um, I suppose you can make it just as simple as, as that. But I like the idea of like watching a movie and just, you know, bringing out what do they give to another character? You know, like why and um, what do we like about having certain people in our lives? I think, you know, it, it does make you then see what your impact is on, on other people. Um, so it's really useful. And I think that sort of brings me on to the, the next um, sort of question that I have for you, because it's like what I love about your book is that it really is accessible for parents, you know, I think it's great for educators and children spend so many hours at school and um, and we're all educated in some way. But I think obviously, like you said, parents are that sort of first educator and, and to have a chapter dedicated to parents is just such a great resource. And that's chapter six. And I think just understanding how we can apply these principles in our everyday lives is, is really helpful. And obviously you've given us an idea there with about the character strengths. But I don't know if you have seen um, what has worked well for other parents, because obviously it is quite different from, an you know, being in an education setting. But sort of when you're at home, what can you maybe a couple of practical examples of what you can actually do when you're just at home with your children and you just want to sort of encourage them and, and help them really? Yeah, and I think, you know, that the, the sort of, I think there's so much unsaid um, really at home when we're, we're kind of, we're so busy and, and some, you know, just sort of stopping and, and 
I mean, that that is a lovely example, actually. I mean, there's a lot of things that are done with mindfulness that we talk about, you know, being present in the moment and recognizing the positive things. And I think you gave a lovely example there with your children about, you know, let's get together as a family, which in itself can often be something that we don't do enough of because we're all busy and we don't think that we're all going to be interested in what each other has to say relationships do need working at and I think you know it's almost like setting that time aside to sit down as a family and say okay well what is it that makes us enjoy being in each other's company and how can we do more of that and I think it's sort of it's almost like setting yourself the challenge well let's make this a goal that we set let's put that goal on the fridge and we know that that's what we're working towards and let's make it our kind of role to kind of do that thing that we've all identified as a family together that makes us happy and then you start to see the benefits of it and it can be something that's really simple but we do we just rush all the time And I think, you know, it's lovely if you've got a common goal, you can kind of, it's something that you know that you're all in together as a family. You can all talk about how it's going. And then maybe when you've seen the benefits of it, you can talk about, well, how did that make you feel? And did you notice that you did things differently or maybe you did things better? And what was it? Shall we try it again? And I think it's almost like just trying some simple strategies. It all sounds like common sense. But with positive psychology, there is evidence to support that because it is tested in the same way as you would do any other intervention. But the evidence is, and I think just to know that this is what you can do and this is why you should do it because actually it works. You know, so I think showing that sort of compassion for others, but also that self-compassion, looking after our own selves can be really, really important. But we don't, again, show that. And it's almost if you can have that conversation with your child, okay, well, I'm going to start doing this for me, but you've got to start doing this for you as well. And then let's talk about it. And it's almost like you're setting the agenda for a conversation, which before you might not have really thought you needed, but actually you sometimes need that thing to talk about. It's almost like giving giving a common language. I think it's really helpful because like you mentioned you know as parents we may be doing some of these things but we don't know what it is that worked you know you feel oh we had a great time yesterday and you just don't know you want to do that again you know when you want to have that happy experience but you don't know what was it that that made that experience so positive and so enjoyable for everyone and I think so having those practices that we can actually make time and actually set it up in the right way so it's not by accident or you know it's not just by on the hoof it's actually something that we can sort of strategize almost I think that's really helpful for parents so you know just to because you do want to understand and get to know your children more and and what you can do because the world is so negative at times you know there's so much doom and gloom but to actually have something about you know what is good about you because you know they may feel like they've got to improve in maths or English, you know, sort of academically. But actually, what is great about their personalities? And um, I, and I really like that. And I'm, I'm definitely going to do that exercise. I, I really look forward to, to digging into that. Um, so thank you so much. And um, so I think it'd be quite interesting to now we've sort of spoken about what's great about positive education. I think it would be quite useful to talk about the practicalities of this in terms of 
one of the challenges because I don't know how much of this has been already rolled out in in schools in in the UK, for example. But I just wondered: is there resistance to this kind of um, approach, and sort of what are the cultural barriers potentially, um, and what have you encountered? People are quite resistant to change, and I think one of the criticisms of positive psychology and positive education as a result has been who's this research been based on? Which schools are the schools that are doing it? And one of the things that uh, is, is really interesting about positive psychology, because it's something that happened at the beginning of this sort of century, it is still undergoing its stages of development. And we talk about these sort of waves of development of different concepts which is like you know waves in the sea that they all roll into each other and what might have happened earlier affects what happens later so it's continually growing and evolving and one of the real strengths of positive psychology is that all of those criticisms that tend to get levied are what the next wave of positive psychology will actually start to address we're now in the third wave of positive psychology we're in the third decade same sort of thing is happening with positive education. So I think one of the first things I want to say is that it is evolving. There is criticism that says, but isn't all of this just, to use the term, old wine in new bottles is a, is a phrase that's been put forward. And a lot of the ideas are not new. In fact, they go way back. But what positive psychology has done, it's given it almost like a platform to be recognised and most importantly to be evaluated in a scientific way. So culturally a lot of the research is based on the weird population which is really when we're thinking about the sort of the westernised, industrialised, educated, that type of population. But what is now happening is that we're starting to see more research starting to come globally. So that's really important because that shows that the concepts are something that can be applied not just to your white, industrialised, westernised types of population. It's also being recognised as well that this is something that's very inclusive. So traditional psychology focused on helping those people in need, those who had issues, but what positive psychology can do is it can help everybody. So I think the fact that it can help everybody makes it more inclusive. And in schools, it can help all of that diversity of learners as well. So the research is starting to come through in that particular area. I think one of the, the major concerns that gets put forward is that the schools that have often done it are private sector schools. So a lot of research has been based on schools in Australia, but they're private sector schools. And we, even though we've had some starting to appear in the UK, it's a lot of the private sector or schools where they have that kind of time out as part of the curriculum. I know a lot of primary schools that may be Catholic primary schools where they have that time to reflect embedded into their curriculum, actually they find it easier to implement things like positive psychology because the culture is set up. But now it's starting to change that more schools are recognising that actually it doesn't require a lot of training, it doesn't require a lot of expertise, and in fact 
a lot of this is what we're doing already, it's starting to become more accepted. So it's still very early days, but it's starting to become recognized. So I think one of the really important things to make it change is that you get that top-down support. So it has to be something that everybody is on board with. And I think this is where parents have a role as well. And schools have a role to involve parents in the wellbeing practices that are going on within the schools so that they can then continue them at home. They can help support the child. They can support the school. So it's much more of a holistic approach, but also one that involves everybody. So I think one of the things I wanted to come um, out from the book is how to get started. And I think by having case studies of practice, so all of the different authors of the chapters have actually either embedded positive education into their own practice or produced and tested an intervention that's drawn on positive psychology. So they can talk about it from the ground. They can talk about the practicalities. So when we're talking about the book again, education, positive education at all levels, we've got a case study from all levels of education. We've also been able to talk about one of the interventions that we created as an online introduction to positive psychology that parents can use. So that's been something else that we've been able to put in there. And often it's the not knowing that prevents you from doing. So just giving a quick, brief introduction to you know positive psychology for parents, some examples of activities, that can also make a difference because you haven't got to read a big book about what positive psychology is and get lots of exams and get lots of qualifications. It's really, really simple. So it's about making it accessible. So yes, there are challenges, but there's lots of challenges with change. I think it's it's a fantastic tool to have, isn't it, in schools where you know teachers are under a lot of pressure. But if they can also tap into this for themselves, I mean, hopefully, then it's it's coming from that point of view as well. So it you know everyone's benefiting, like you said about being inclusive and holistic. Everyone's benefiting from each other. It sounds like it will make such a difference in 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 terms of just being able to receive and also give. You know education's both ways isn't it and um yeah just just to absorb information that creativity piece I think is really an eye-opener isn't it that you can be more creative when you're in that more of a positive state which is really interesting and um I guess it would be great to finish on what you see for the future you know if we're looking at positive education sort of five ten years potentially and where is your research going next are you going to potentially pen another book or what what do you see for yourself (laughs) I think that I think something needs to happen I mean I think we really are the choice of whether we do something which is going to enhance well-being and ultimately also enhance academic performance I think that sort of choice it's starting to be restricted. I think we have to make a difference. We have to start doing things differently. Um, I think one of the uh, the concerns as well about talking about positive, when we talk about anything being positive, is that people start to think about this toxic positivity. So I think that actually making it clear that actually positive psychology isn't just focusing on being optimistic and positive and thinking that happiness is going to be 
you know, make things different is is really important. Um, but it's also recognising that the consequences of adopting a much more strengths approach, but it, it can also have such a, an empowering effect to move things forward. So I think really what, what do we need to be doing just providing that evidence? We need to be sharing the practice. I think one of the things I would really love to come from this book is almost like a sort of a, a central hub where people can start to share their own practice. We've started with the book, um, but also share those challenges. That would be what I'd like to see come from this particular book. It's really difficult in terms of where would I like to see my focus. I think at this particular point in time, higher education, which is where I'm working, is a really big challenge for a lot of our young people. Um, and I think anything that I can do that's more applied in my own practice will potentially lead on to something else, yes. But in that moment, I think that has to be my priority. Is, is working on that kind of, well, let's start to put these things into practice and, and, and start to get more evidence so that we can encourage people that it is possible to do it in their own way. Um, I think writing the book has been wonderful. I have enjoyed doing it. I um, am very much an applied psychologist, so I think I would just like to get more of that out there to the people who need to see it. I think I learned a lot about the role of parents as a parent myself. Um, I think, you know, we do tend to get forgotten uh, as, as parents and we tend to be tough on ourselves. And I think actually that's a lovely area I'd like to explore. But I think it's it's just about getting that message out there as well. I think one of the other things as well, which I, I really wanted to, to sort of mention, which I did forget, what's so important for educators of positive psychology is that their well-being is important as well. So I think the well-being of teachers is something which positive psychology can help address. So positive education is also thinking about teachers. And I think that's where positive education is going. It's not just about the students. They are the core hub of the business. But actually, to teach well-being, you've got to have good well-being. And that applies to parents and families as well. And I think, you know, it, it, it is important that we all look after our own well-being. And this is what positive psychology and positive education can do. And that, that's why I, I think I'm, I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> Congratulations on the book. It's an absolute fantastic resource for anyone that's interested in um, positive education and whether you're a parent or an educator or just someone interested in, in this area. And um, yeah, and thank you for your time. It's been an absolutely fascinating talk and it's great that we can all just jump and get straight in now on, on those exercises. So thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. That's all for this episode from the Emerald podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you'd like to learn more about positive psychology and education, be sure to check out Dr. Tithily's book, Positive Education at All Levels, which is part of the Emerald Positive Psychology and Practice series. My thanks goes to my guest, Dr. Tithily, podcast producer, Daniel Ridge, the studio, This Is Distorted, and to you for listening. See you next time.